Welcome to Reimagining Atlantis. My name's Tori, and I'll be your host. Hello, my friends. Welcome back. Today is a sad day. I had to make an episode about Edgar Casey. So many people point to him as the leading expert in Atlantis. Just so that you all are aware, I started working on this episode since episode 30. I lost interest so many times. I love magic just as much as the next person, but Casey butchered Plato's work. I'm going to disclaim that I think Edgar Casey is silly in so many ways. I am extremely biased against him. Still, I tried to be as neutral as possible. As usual, my first section gives a bit of the background about Casey. The next section will be an overview of his accuracy and what Casey's genre of predictions were. The official Casey website gives the number of proceed readings as 14,306. In 1971, with the processing of the records of Casey readings about 98% complete, they numbered them to be 14,246. And they're categorized as follows. There was 8,975 physical readings for illnesses, 2,500 life readings, 799 business readings, 667 dream interpretation readings, 401 readings on mental and spiritual questions, 223 readings on oil or mineral locations, 130 readings on spiritual laws compiled into the search for God, 116 work readings concerning management of the R, 76 readings on buried treasure, 36 readings on historical topics, including 16 on Jesus and 13 on Atlantis, 35 readings on Aurora Charts, 28 readings on World Affairs, 12 readings on Missing Persons. Casey's predictions also rely completely on the Ice Age Atlantis theory. I also want to point out that Casey's predictions on Atlantis was written about 40 years after Donnelly. As usual, my sources are linked in my episode description. Edgar Casey was born in Kentucky on March 18, 1877. He was born five years before Donnelly released his book, Atlantis, The Antediluvian World. I've gone over this book in a previous episode, so if you're interested in learning more, it is available. Edgar's parents were farmers and devout Christians. Edgar Casey was raised in the post-Civil War era in a Confederate stronghold of Kentucky. Edgar became engrossed into the Bible by the age of 10. It was reported that by age 12, he had read the Bible cover to cover at least a dozen times. I wonder how his parents felt about an 11-year-old reading about the Song of Solomon. He suffered from abuse from his father, and after one such incident, Casey was knocked off his chair and hit his head, after which he had a vision of an angel who would help him learn. He fell asleep on his school book, and when he woke up, he knew everything inside this book. From this point on, Casey would study with the aid of sleep and angels. Casey claimed that by 1892, he had become the best student in his class. On being questioned, Casey told the teacher that he saw pictures of the pages in the books. His father, proud of this accomplishment, spread it around. During a school ball game, Casey was struck 
in his coccyx and began to behave strangely. He claimed that he went to sleep one night, miraculously diagnosed the problem, and recommended a cure, all in his sleep, and that his family prepared the cure according to his instructions and it worked perfectly. Casey's alleged ability to diagnose in his sleep would not return for several years. Casey's education stopped in the ninth grade because his family could not afford the cost. Much of the remainder of Casey's younger years were characterized by a search for employment. On March 14, 1897, Casey became engaged to Gertrude Evans. Throughout his life, Casey was drawn to the church as a member of the Disciples of Christ. He read the entire Bible once a year, every year, attended church and taught Sunday school, and recruited missionaries. He said he could see auras around people, spoke to angels, and heard voices of departed relatives. In his early years, he agonized over whether or not these prophetic abilities were spiritually delivered from the highest source. In 1900, Casey formed a business partnership with his father to sell Woodman of the World Insurance. However, in March, he was struck by severe laryngitis that resulted in a complete loss of speech. Unable to work, he lived at home with his parents for almost a year. He then decided to take up the trade of photography, an occupation that would exert less strain on his voice. He began an apprenticeship at a photography studio, and eventually, he actually became quite talented in his trade. Casey sought treatment for his voice by seeking out hypnotists. Casey's voice allegedly returned while he was in a hypnotic trance, but disappeared on awakening. A local hypnotist named Lane put Casey into a trance, and Casey was able to communicate vocally. Casey told Lane to give him the suggestion to increase blood circulation to the throat area. Casey's throat reportedly turned bright red. Minutes passed. After 20 minutes, Casey, still in a trance, declared the treatment over. On awakening, his voice was said to have remained normal. Apparently, relapses did occur, but were reported to have been corrected by Lane in the same way until eventually the cure was permanent. Lane regarded the ability as clairvoyance and suggested that Casey offer his psychic diagnostic services to the public. Casey was reluctant, as he had no ideas what he was prescribing while asleep, and whether the remedies were safe. He told Lane that he did not want to know anything about the patient, as it was not relevant. He finally agreed on the condition that the readings would be free, and also specified that if the readings hurt anyone, he'd never do another. He began with Lane's help to offer free treatments to the townspeople. Lane described Casey's method as, quote, a self-imposed hypnotic trance, which includes clairvoyance. A prophecy is defined as a prediction of the future made under divine inspiration. As opposed to a psychic reading, which is a specific attempt to discern information through the use of heightened perceptive abilities, or natural extensions of the basic human senses of sight, sound, touch, taste, and instinct. Most of Casey's prophecies were on medical issues. He is known as the father of holistic medicine. His beliefs were that if you could change your mind, you can change anything. I admire Casey as he refused payment for his readings. 
Casey did not just predict medical issues, but Casey's prophecies were revealed information on a wide variety of subjects. These subjects included ancient history, religion, and the future events. It's estimated that Edgar Casey made over 21,000 predictions in his lifetime. He is often proclaimed as a miracle worker, prophet, and even America's most successful clairvoyant. However, Edgar Casey's predictions were wrong more often than they were correct. In one of Casey's earlier predictions, he stated that 1933 would be a very good year. This prediction was way off base, as in 1933, Adolf Hitler was appointed Chancellor of Germany. Shortly after his appointment, he dissolved the German parliament, which marked the beginning of the Nazi rampage throughout Germany and across Europe. In the U.S., the Great Depression was in a full swing when the global economy hit rock bottom in 1933. According to Casey, a large earthquake would also hit the state of California, causing it and the Baja Peninsula to slide into the Pacific sometime during the 1960s. Even though California does sit on a fault line and is plagued by numerous earthquakes per year, the state and the Baja Peninsula are still both fully intact. Casey predicted that Armageddon would come in 1999. Obviously, Armageddon never came. 1999 did have its share of disasters, natural and political, but nothing on the scale of Armageddon. Casey also predicted that China would become the new, quote, cradle of Christianity. He went on to predict that China would be completely converted to Christianity by 1968. Just as his other predictions, Casey missed this mark. Buddhism remains the most popular singular religion in China since its introduction in the first century. Nearly 30% of the country is Buddhist, the number of Christians pale in comparison. Even today, Christians only make up 3-4% to of the Chinese population. Out of the thousands upon thousands of Edgar Casey's prophecies, only 40% can be considered remotely correct, and even that percentage is open to debate. The other 60% were either too vague to interpret, multiple intent, or just plain wrong. Don't worry, Casey predicted a loophole too, with the following statement. Prophecy is never given for any other purpose than as a warning. For this reason, a successful prophecy is one that has been adverted and therefore does not happen. Casey was actually very fond of the subject of Atlantis and made quite a few predictions about the lost city. Most of these predictions were way off base. One of these predictions stated that an Atlantean death ray would be discovered by the U.S. in 1958. He also predicted that the lost city would rise again in 1968 or 69. Neither of these predictions ever came to fruition. Even if you take the most recent claim that Atlantis was in Spain, Casey was still 42 years and 4,000 miles off. According to Casey, Atlantis was located from the Gulf of Mexico to Gibraltar and was destroyed in a final catastrophic event circa 10,000 BCE. Here is an excerpt from Casey's book. Yes, we have the subject, the lost continent of Atlantis, and those conditions. As has been said, much data has been received from time to time through psychic forces as respecting conditions in or through the period or ages of the continent's existence. That the continent existed is being proven as fact. 
The position as the continent Atlantis occupied is that as between the Gulf of Mexico on the one hand and the Mediterranean on the other. Evidences of this lost civilization are to be found in the Pyrenees and Morocco on one hand, British Honduras, Yucatan, and America upon the other. There are some protruding portions within this that must have, at one time or another, been a portion of this great continent. The British West Indies or the Bahamas and a portion of the same may be seen in the present. If the geological survey would be made in some of these, especially or notably in Bimini and in the Gulf Stream through this vicinity, these may even be yet determined. Edgar Casey maintained that Atlantis was the first civilization which was technologically superior to even our own and that its last surviving islands have disappeared somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean some 10,000 years ago. Casey revealed that the size of Atlantis was equal to that of Europe, including Asia in Europe. He saw visions of this continent of the past which had gone through three major periods of division. The first two occurred around 15,600 BCE when the mainland was divided into islands. The three main islands of Atlantis Casey named were Poseidia, Og, and Aaron. He claimed that the Atlanteans were well versed in technology and harnessed the power of the quantum world. This included the use of crystals and sound waves for healing elevators and connecting tunnels that operated by compressed air and steam, quartz crystal science that was used to mine gold, copper, and silver from the earth. Atlanteans were adapt to use the use of silicon chips at levels unrivaled in the modern world. The crystal skull, for example, was cut with such infinite precision that no modern tool could have replicated the job. They were familiar with the amplification of power, of crystals, and laser technology and memory chips. They made extensive use of mass mental telepathy, psychokinesis, and astral production into the fourth dimensional consciousness. Edgar Casey said that the people of Atlantis had constructed giant laser-like crystals for power plants, and that these were responsible for the second destruction of the land. Casey blamed the final destruction of Atlantis and the disintegration of their culture on greed and lust. According to Casey, two rival parties fought for control of the Atlanteans in its final days. The children of the Law of One wanted to return to a spiritual stewardship of the land based on natural laws. The other group, the Sons of Belial, wanted to exploit natural resources for material gain. The chief focus of their conflict was a third class of dull, half-awake subhumans used by the son of Belial for slave labor. The children of the Law of One wanted to enlighten those sub-beings by raising their, their consciousness. The sons of Bial wanted to keep them in ignorance and exploit them for their own gain. But before the legendary land disappeared under the waves, Casey revealed that there was an exodus of many Atlanteans into ancient Egypt. He attributed the biblical Great Flood of Noah to be a result of the sinking of the last huge remnants of Atlantis. He also revealed that the many Atlanteans that managed to escape in hopes to preserve a record of their civilization created two separate archives with their history and accomplishments so that it could be preserved for posterity. 
One of these archives was revealed to be buried under one of the Sphinx's paws. Recent geological research has been done in the area using new technology, and during one Discovery Channel special, researchers confirmed that it was possible to see that there was a room under the left paw of the Sphinx, but the Egyptian authorities of antiquities will not allow excavation into the area for any reason. Here's some quotes from Casey. Before that, the entity in Atlantis during those periods were then when there were the separations just before the breaking up of Poseidia. The name then was Anian. Before that entity was on the Yucatan land, when the people settled there who came from Atlantis, the entity was a priestess. The name then was Quetel. Before that, the entity was in the Egyptian land but of the Atlantean peoples, when there was the exodus from Atlantis to what is now the Spanish or the Pyrenees land, and then to Egypt. The name then was Exertel. So how did the Atlanteans stage war with Athens and Egypt if the Atlanteans were Egyptians? We have a chicken versus an egg situation here. Thank you so much for continuing to listen. Your support means everything to me. If you want to help make this podcast grow, please subscribe and tell just one other person about this podcast today. We are each our own hero in this story we call life. That means one person has the power to change everything. Who is the one person you tell today, hero? Let's help keep Atlantis alive, or at least reimagined. A new episode will be released every Thursday at 9 p.m. See you then. Wait, are you still here? Thank you. It's appreciated. Here's a clip for next week's episode. It's estimated that Edgar Casey made over 21,000 predictions in his lifetime. He is often proclaimed as a miracle worker, prophet, and even America's most successful clairvoyant. However, Edgar Casey's predictions were wrong more often than they were correct. In one of Casey's earlier predictions, he stated that 1933 would be a very good year. This prediction was way off base, as in 1933, Adolf Hitler was appointed Chancellor of Germany. Shortly after his appointment, he dissolved the German parliament, which marked the beginning of the Nazi rampage throughout Germany and across Europe. In the U.S., the Great Depression was in a full swing when the global economy hit rock bottom in 1933. According to Casey, a large earthquake would also hit the state of California, causing it and the Baja Peninsula to slide into the Pacific sometime during the 1960s.